and welcome to the North Decatur Presbyterian Church Sermon Series. We're a PCUSA congregation in Decatur, Georgia. If you'd like to find out more about us, go to ndpc.org or just come by and visit. Here's this week's sermon. Our scripture reading today is one verse from the letter to the Romans. It's chapter 5, verse 20. I want to read seven different translations of this one verse because translating the Bible is not a science, it's an art. So listen to how different translators have handled this one verse from Romans. First, from the King James Version, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. From the NRSV, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. From the voice, wherever sin grew and spread, God's grace was there in fuller, greater measure. From the Wycliffe translation, where guilt was plenteous, grace was more plenteous. (laughs) I've never used the word plenteous before. From the Phillips translation, though sin is shown to be wide and deep, grace is wider and deeper still. From the CEB, where sin increased, grace multiplied even more. And finally, from our favorite translation, the message, when it's sin versus grace, grace wins, hands down. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. We say, thanks be to God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, so uh, ushers, go ahead and let's pass these things out. We are going to um, give you something today. This is a hands-on sermon this morning. So the ushers are going to walk around and every one of you is going to get a sock of your very own, at least for this morning. The sock is going to be a puppet for you. So if you want to go ahead and put your hand, you can roll up your sleeves if you need to. If you need to take off your coat in order to get the sleeve on, I'm serious now. I want everyone to participate. Everyone is going to put a sock on their hand and you will also get some eyeballs. There are some eyeballs that you can stick on your puppet And we are going to use our puppets interactively in the sermon this morning. You you all just thought you were coming to church this morning. You didn't know you were going to be the star of your own puppet show. All right, so uh, as the socks are getting passed out, I need you to open your ears and just pay attention to one or two words that I'm saying. Now, for the first weeks of this Lenten series, I've been trying to tell a story. I've been trying to tell a great story an important story, which is the story of sin and the story of God's grace. Sin is the action of human beings that would try and oppose the love of God. 
But grace, you know, is this wonderful, this profound, sustaining love that is God's persistent, unresistible gift to creation. Amen? Amen. Theologically, it is grace and not sin that is our true nature. Amen? Love is our true nature. Every human being, every single human being is created by God. And we are created good, and we are made to do good in the world. We are created by love, and we are created for love. Grace is where we begin, and grace is what we always come home to. Amen? Amen. It is in the light of grace, of this amazing grace of God, It is in the light of grace that we can courageously confront the sin that appears in our lives. I agree with Julian of Norwich. Oh, do I? Oh, yeah, I need one too. Uh, I agree with Julian of Norwich, who said that sin has no reality to it. It doesn't even belong in the same category as grace. Thank you. Ooh, I get the bracelet too. (laughs) sin doesn't even belong in the same category of grace but we still can admit that the effects of sin are real now i don't know how sin has touched your life it's touched every one of our lives sin has left a mark on all of us so i want to ask you all to do something hard this morning in worship are you willing to do it maybe Maybe. I'd like you to think for a few moments about the ways, the specific ways that sin has harmed you. Think about the specific ways that sin has harmed you and your life. It could be through lies. Lies that were told to you by someone you trusted. Lies that you told to someone else. It could be judgment, ways that you've been judged unfairly by others, been judged in ways that have hurt you deeply, or perhaps you have judged someone else unfairly and hurt them. Maybe your life has been marked by violence. Maybe yours, maybe by someone else's toward you, or by greed. That insatiable human appetite, always wanting more. How has greed hurt you? Maybe it's something that you should have done, that you know you should have done, and you have nevertheless left it undone. Maybe that's the sin that has harmed you. All of us have been damaged by personal sin. Often with sin, there is trauma involved. That's why what I'm asking you to do is hard. I want to ask you, in the safety of this place, with the love of God all around us, to hold the pain of sin in your lap this morning. And hold the sin in the light of God's grace. Okay. I hope you have something in your mind's eye. Here is where your puppet comes in. The sock now is going to represent the sin that has harmed you. 
Only you know exactly what the sin is. Now remember, this sin is not part of the world that God created as good. It's a cagey interloper. Over the years, we've called it Satan. We've called it demons. Psychology calls it our shadow or our urges. But it's nevertheless become a part of our life. I want you to imagine what your sin sounds like. What kind of voice does it have? What's its agenda? What does it want with you? Now I want you to, I want you to let your sin talk to you. I'm serious. Maybe it needs to whisper in your ear. Maybe it needs to shout out loud. But go ahead and have a conversation. Actually, don't. Just let your sin talk to you. I'm serious. We're going to take about a minute to do this. So go ahead and let the sin that has harmed you, go ahead and let it talk to you. Imagine what kind of voice it has. Hey. Don't listen to me. I'm having my own conversation. Go ahead and do yours. Hey. Under anger. hard, right? For some of you, this is too hard to do in a public place. Maybe you might even think about doing this later at home when it's just you and your puppet. Let's try something different, okay? Not all of our sins are personal. We are embedded in a world And in this world, there is what is called systemic or structural sin, right? Not all sins are personal. Systemic or structural sins are are the corrupted patterns of our life together that shape our world for the worse. For example, one of the structural sins that I'm aware of is that we live in a world in which most people who don't have money live in certain communities, and people who have lots of money live in other communities, and they rarely interact. And the outcomes for people who don't have a lot of money are worse than the outcomes for the people who have a lot of money. Right? That's structural sin. What's worse is that those of us who own property and live in the community where people have a lot of money, we're invested in that structural sin financially. How about racism in the United States? Growing up in a world in which your skin color matters for the outcome of your life. That's structural sin. Structural sin is an economic system that's considered quote-unquote healthy when it's destroying the conditions for human life on the planet. You get what I'm talking about with structural sin? There's fault, and yet the, the world around us is so corrupted that it changes the kinds of choices and freedoms that we have. So let's try it again. This time, I want to imagine uh, that structural sin, some structural sin that wounds you is now on your hand. See it in your mind's eye. Go ahead, put your hand up. Look at it. Is it environmental degradation? Is Is it racism? Is it structural inequality? 
Imagine this puppet is that sin. What does it sound like? What is its agenda? What does it want with you? Let it talk to you for a second. Go ahead. Let it talk to you. It's hard, right? It's hard to talk to your sin. Sin in its personal and structural forms is so much a part of our lives. It can do so much damage to us. So we need to talk about how to deal with sin when it appears in our lives. What do we do with sin when it shows up? What do we do when it shows up in the life of our world and threatens our well-being? What are our choices? What are your choices when it comes to sin? Well, can you ignore it? Maybe for a while. But it doesn't go away, does it? You can be ashamed about it. Right? You can try to hide it, push it down, keep it hidden. But it always comes back. Can we run away from it? Not very far. Can you get angry at it? Can you cut it off? I don't know how much good that will do. So what does God do with sin? What does God do with sin? How does God deal with sin when it appears in our lives? Well, our tradition has taught a number of different things. One theory, and theology is just a bunch of theories, right? One theory is that Jesus died for our sins. That was God's response. Now, you know by now from hearing me talk that I'm not always convinced that idea is the most helpful. Right? The idea is that we just sin uncontrollably and that we accumulate some kind of debt because of our sin and that debt has to be paid off. And so Jesus dies on the cross and pays our debts. But it's never clear to me exactly who Jesus pays or why God demands payment in the first place in the form of the death of the beloved child. Beyond that, it's not really obvious to me how this deals with the very real sin in the present. There's so much in that story that feels arcane and abstract. But our tradition has plenty of other wonderful wisdom about how God's grace deals with sin. God's love and God's mercy overcome our sin. How? Well, first of all, grace works through repentance. Jesus' very first message in Mark's gospel is what? Repent. Repent and believe the good news. This is a grace-filled message. Repentance is about turning around, turning away from sin and toward love. That perpetual invitation to repent and turn from sin is God's grace at work in our lives. It means that there is no one among us who is so lost in our sin that we can't turn from it and turn toward love. So repentance is a sign of God's grace at work. Here's a second way that grace deals with sin, through forgiveness. God's capacity to forgive and willingness to forgive is limitless. Limitless. That's the scandal of God's grace. 
The most powerful moment in Luke's gospel is when Jesus is on the cross, reckoning with the worst of our sin, and Jesus says, forgive them, God. They have no idea what they're doing. Jesus always offers forgiveness. We are not the worst thing that we have ever done. We are not meant to live in shame. We are never condemned in our sins. That doesn't mean that God doesn't see our sin. Of course God sees our sin. God sees it and God knows it. But I've always believed that forgiveness is the most severe kind of judgment. Forgiveness sees clearly the nature of our sin, sees the harm it does, but forgiveness says that was not the real you. You are capable of something different, something better. You were made for love by love. Forgiveness isn't letting someone off the hook. It's expecting more of them. It's expecting them to be who God created them to be. So forgiveness is the second way that grace deals with sin. And the final way that God's grace deals with sin is through Jesus' death. But I don't think it's by some cosmic ransom payment. The Apostles' Creed testifies that Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, and he descended where? Into hell. I will always affirm that this is the most powerful and, in fact, the most hopeful idea in our faith that Jesus goes into hell. Now, part of reckoning with our sin is being able to laugh at it on the one hand, which we're doing a little bit today. But part of reckoning with sin is never, ever trivializing it. Sin can be unspeakable evil. I remember walking around Ground Zero a couple days after September 11th. I was part of a relief team that the seminary had sent down, and we walked around the site, and I have never in my life experienced such desolation, such desecration. I knew in that moment that hell had to be possible. There is in this world unrepentant, unmoved evil that takes over some human lives. And if we believe in a good God, there must be some punishment. There must be punishment for people who yield to that kind of evil. In my mind, there has to be a hell. So why then does the Apostles' Creed affirm that Jesus goes there? Well, Jesus goes there because of love. Because we believe that love is the most powerful force in all of creation. Because we believe that nothing in life or in death separates us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that God's resurrecting love will not do. There is nowhere that that love will not go to find us and free us even if it means breaking down the gates of hell. God made it, God loves it, and God keeps it always. 
repentance, forgiveness, and a love that is strong enough to liberate hell itself, that is how grace deals with sin. All right, so what do we do with our sin? What do we do with this thing that is so much and so frequently a part of our very personal lives? Hold up your puppet. You love it. Love it. Love it fiercely. Love it tenderly. Love it persuasively. Love it relentlessly. If the enemy of the good is sin, Jesus' instruction is to love your enemies. Love it and convert it into the good. Talk to your sin. Is it lying? Well, tell your lies not to be so insecure. Tell the truth, even the embarrassing truth. It's safe to come out and play. Is your sin judgment? Let go of judgment. Look at everything and everyone the way that God looks at you with love and affection. Is the sin that harms you violence? Why is the violence so afraid? What is it afraid of? There's nothing to be afraid of. Perfect love casts out all fear. Is the sin that shapes you, your complicity in racism or inequality, environmental degradation, love will show you the courageous path of repentance and repair. So take one more stab at this now. Hold up your puppet and speak to your sin with the voice of grace. What does the love of God say to the sin in your life that wants to oppose God's will? Go ahead and talk to your puppet with the voice of grace. Don't be afraid. Speak with grace. I told you I was going to ask you to do something hard today. I appreciate your willingness to give this a try. Friends, God has not left us powerless against sin. There is all around us and within us a gentle and merciful and persistent and relentless grace. And God pours this grace into your lives and into the life of the world through Christ Jesus and by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you encounter sin, let God's grace speak to it. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Though sin is shown to be wide and deep, God's grace is wider and deeper still. When it's sin versus grace, 
Grace wins, hands down. Let the church say amen.